Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, and then the last kind of way of learning, I mean, you could get into so many different types of learning, but I just kind of picked six that I thought were important. The last one was observational learning, which is learning by watching others and basically just mimicking that motion that the others are doing or understanding a concept from watching that and then being able to repeat it. And there's really conflicting information on whether or not and to what extent horses can do this. I've seen a lot of people recently saying that they can do it and I'm inclined to think that they can, but there are also studies out there that say that they can't. There's one study from 1986 by Baker and Crawford that I looked at, and basically what they did in the study is they had a horse watch another horse go to two buckets, and one bucket had grain in it, and one bucket was empty, and so the horse would watch the other horse go up to the buckets, figure out which bucket had grain in it, and then you know start to eat from that bucket, and then they would take that horse away and let the horse who'd been watching go in and see which bucket they would approach first. And they didn't show any difference between the horses who had watched the other horses find the bucket and, and a control group of horses who were just brought in without having watched. So from that, they concluded since there was no difference in how often they picked the right bucket first, they concluded that they didn't have observational learning, which obviously, I mean, that seems like a pretty strong indicator that they couldn't learn from watching the other horse, but it also is a pretty limited situation, I guess. Like it could be possible that they could observationally learn in other ways or in other situations, just not in that one. So that's that's one example of that. And then another issue that I had with a lot of the research is that a lot of it tended to rely on dominance theory. Like a lot of it tended to say that Horses can only observationally learn from horses that are higher up in the hierarchy than they are. And obviously, like us now knowing that dominance theory is not accurate and is not scientifically backed, that's not really, that doesn't seem to make sense. And it doesn't seem to really provide much scientific information about observational learning. So a lot of those studies, I was able to take a little bit from them, but I was also like, okay, you're pretty much like your answer is basically dominance theory and I don't buy that. And, you know, it's scientifically just not accurate. So there's, there have to be some limitations to these studies. Yeah. I mean, I think there might be some truth to what they're trying to say. If I'm thinking of what they're saying, I didn't read those ones, so (laughs) I might be totally wrong, but like, if you have an animal that's slightly more confident, the other one might kind of pick up on that. At least that's been my experience with dogs with horses. It's kind of tricky because I typically only work with one at a time, but like an example that I have heard a lot and have seen a lot is people trying to get a horse into the trailer and then they're not doing it. So they have another horse that knows how to go into the trailer, go in, but I haven't really ever seen that be successful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it could be that they're getting at something that's true, which is that they can learn from other horses that are more confident and they're just kind of like applying dominance language to it which they shouldn't do but the information itself could still be helpful in some ways so that's definitely possible probably just more research needs to be done on it in general there was another study that I looked at from 2017 which said basically that horses can learn across species which was really interesting because the previous study I'd looked at said that they couldn't even learn from other horses but then this one said that 
horses who had watched a human open a feeding apparatus, a familiar human also, so like somebody that they knew, they were able to have a higher success rate of opening that themselves when they were then put into that situation than, you know, horses who hadn't watched a human do it and had just gone in blind, basically. So I thought that was really interesting because it basically directly contradicts the other study. And this study, like I said, was from 2017. So this was a more recent study than the other one that was from 1986. So to be honest, I just don't really know what to think about this. I think there's just <laughs> conflicting information about there because uh, out there about this because both of those studies, from my inexperienced perspective, seemed to be reasonable and seemed to be, I mean, they're scholarly studies, they're, you know, accepted and published and whatnot. So they're, they're somewhat valid, you would think. I'm just not sure what to think about it. I have had experience with horses knowing how to open feed bins. So <laughs> actually recently oh that happened because I moved all of my feed bins into an empty stall that doesn't have a full door. So Wonder learned that his neck is long enough that he can reach over and flip the lid open. And I came into the barn one morning with alfalfa pellets all over the entire stall floor. So, Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) There might be some truth to them being able to figure out things like that, but I feel like it's also kind of circumstantial and based on the individual too, because for things like going in the trailer, they don't have any drive to do that. There's no reason for them to want to, but for things like getting into a feed bin, of course, they're going to want to do that. Yeah, that's true. And I guess it's also possible that they're just really smart and they just know how to do it from their own motivation, not not because they're watching someone else do it. But in the study, it did seem to show that the horses who had watched had higher rates of success, but still, maybe those horses just happen to be smarter. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to say. Obviously, I haven't studied that a lot or really played around with it myself, but yeah, that's an interesting one that I I don't know what my conclusion would be. It's kind of contradictory, the studies that you shared. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think just in general, anecdotally, it seems like they should be able to learn their observation, especially from other horses. I mean, when they're growing up in general, obviously they're getting reinforcement from their and punishment from their mom or from other horses in the herd or from humans or whatever that kind of teach them how to act but I have to think that baby horses kind of look at other horses and like have to kind of see what they're supposed to be doing or get some type of ideas I don't know like there's no science behind that and it might just be totally wrong but I just kind of feel like anecdotally from what I've seen that they should be able to at least observationally learn to some small degree if not equally to humans. Yeah, I have to agree with that because if they couldn't, then how do wild horses survive? Because like there's no human intervention there. So yeah, they have to learn (laughs) from each other to some extent. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say they just they literally only learn from, you know, the, the four quadrants of operant learning and they aren't learning at all from observation. It's just from other horses giving them punishment or reinforcement or whatever to teach them. But I still feel like there's got to be a little bit of observation in there. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Because I mean, obviously, it's not exactly the same, but most animal psychology is pretty similar to humans. And we can learn from other people just by seeing them do something. So I would feel like it would be the same with other animals. Yeah, that's a good point. And your comparison to human psychology brings me to my next thing that I wanted to discuss, which is the overjustification effect. And this is something that from what I could see, 
has really only ever been scientifically studied in humans and possibly other animals, but not in horses specifically. So I couldn't find any scientific studies or research out there about this in horses, but it is relevant to horses and it is something that a good number of people believe applies to horses. And basically the overjustification effect is when you add external reinforcers, it can decrease the internal motivation to do a certain behavior. So basically if you ever hear people say things like positive reinforcement will make the horse become a robot and just do the things that they're being asked to do because they want to get the treat. Or on the other hand, you know, negative reinforcement, they're only listening to you because you're, you know, putting on pressure and they would never do this behavior naturally or whatever. And there may be some truth to those things, but I think it's like a really complex topic, especially since there's no research out there in horses with this. So yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting thing um, to kind of give a little bit of an example. This is a human example, but there was a 73 study by Leper and other people. And basically they found that if they had two groups of students and they gave the students puzzles to do, and they paid one group of students to do the puzzles and the other group did not get paid. And they were just like asked to do the puzzles. Once the study was basically over and the students were left alone, the ones who weren't paid were more likely to continue doing the puzzles because the ones who were getting paid were no longer getting paid. And so that motivation from getting paid was taken away. And so they then stopped doing the puzzles. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know. So this is this kind of a relevant topic to horse training because there are some people who think it's very relevant, especially with positive reinforcement. And it very well may be, but I think we need more of the research to really know what's going on. Yeah, that's pretty complex too. And I feel like if you are doing it properly, you're going to have both intrinsic and extrinsic motivation from your horse. Like I have met dogs and horses who are robots, so to speak, where like all their focus is on the reinforcer. But I've also met many others who really enjoy the process of getting to the reinforcer and are often much more excited by the click than the treat. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there are things that you can do, obviously, that kind of make it more likely that the intrinsic motivation will stay there, like rewarding for more autonomous behavior or sometimes rewarding for them just offering something for themselves that can kind of help as well, because they're not just doing the behavior for the reinforcement. They don't know that they're going to be reinforced for that because it's just something that they're doing of their own choice, not a cue that you've taught or anything. So I think doing things like that can help. And another thing that can help is in general with humans is going to an intermittent reinforcement schedule. Um, So only reinforcing certain times. This is very, I find a lot of people disagree with this in terms of horses or have strong opinions on in terms of horses of whether or not you should stay with a continuous reinforcement schedule or whether it's okay to kind of push back on it and only reinforce, you know, once in a while, either on a schedule or randomly. Um, And personally, I think I can see how that could be good for um, mitigating the effects of the overjustification effect. I don't do that. I just, you know, click and treat all the time and I don't do that. And I have no plans of introducing that, but I'm not necessarily like super opposed to it either. I just need to, I guess, learn more about the effects that that would have. But that is one thing that in humans and other types of animals has been shown to kind of decrease that effect. Yeah, personally, I keep a pretty continuous reinforcement schedule too, but I will not do that if I'm like asking for 
more of a behavior or longer duration, which would be shaping, not necessarily changing the reinforcement schedule, but I guess it could inherently be. And then like, if I'm doing behavior chains, obviously I don't click and treat in between behaviors because I'm trying to sort of link them together. But all in all, I do almost always click and treat every behavior that's offered. And I mean, I haven't noticed an issue with my horses being robots personally, so <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I pretty much do the same thing. I mean, if I click, I'm going to treat them. Obviously, like if it's a more drawn out behavior, then there's going to be more time that they're doing a behavior. Like if I'm, I don't know, just something simple, if I'm like leading them and they need to take several steps before they're going to get clicked, then obviously that's, I mean, in a way, it's definitely not an intermittent reinforcement schedule because I'm treating them every time I'm clicking, but it still is in a way kind of drawing that process out more than just kind of constant click and treat, which a really high rate of reinforcement is not a bad thing either, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's necessary really, like with potentially scary things that's when I typically up my reinforcement or my reinforcement uh, schedule like I'll do it more often or higher value treat but yeah I don't really see anything bad with that I think it can really be beneficial depending on the horse and depending on what you're doing but yeah they're not robots (laughs) that's for sure yeah (laughs) yeah I mean definitely with positive reinforcement I think you see a lot more of horses really expressing themselves um, and especially doing things like free shaping where they're just going to offer behaviors. Um, I think things like that are going to be really good for making sure that they're keeping their autonomy and they're still doing things that they enjoy doing and not just because you're asking them to do it. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of us who do positive reinforcement, we really don't have any like numbers or whatever to back this up but I think we can tell that the horses have a much more positive and much more open relationship with us like a lot of my experience has been horses kind of being more shut down and nervous around people and then when they see that you're not going to use any type of pressure or punishment with them they start to kind of open up and they start to be more authentic to their intrinsic motivations and whatnot and so I guess I don't have any like numbers or hard hard science to back this up, but I do think that most positive reinforcement trainers can say from their anecdotal experience that their horses are much less of robots than they were before they started positive reinforcement. Yeah, I have to agree with that because both of mine are really shut down and they took different routes coming out of that, but (laughs) they definitely are much more themselves and way more creative. And the thing I think of the most when talking about an animal being a robot through positive reinforcement training is that like sometimes it can be done in a way that's kind of coercive like withholding food from a horse until training so that they feel like they have to do that or uh, just continuously asking for more and more and more until you finally get the behavior you want and that's not good positive reinforcement training but sometimes that is done for the person to be more effective and I think those are the cases where you're going to end up with horses that are just food crazy basically. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I can say from my experience with my horses, they are on limited diet because they are overweight and having medical issues. Um, and so their, their diet is, is being managed in a certain way. And so sometimes when I will get there, they won't have had hay for, you know, an hour or two. 
and they're they're very bored and very hungry so when I get there they're a little bit wound up and they're a little bit eager to get food and so if I just go ahead and do a training session then it usually doesn't go well so I honestly don't know why people want to um to withhold food to make it more effective because from my experience they're just way more kind of getting on me and and being mouthy and not really you know following things that I know they know how to do because they're just not being set up for success and they're not in the right mindset to do the training session that they otherwise would be able to do so I think in general, you know, it's just not even going to be more effective, maybe in some situations, depending on what you're trying to do, it could be but I think for most things, it's better if they're just in a good mental state, and they're better. So usually when I get there, I give them a little bit of hay and let them, you know, chill out and calm down before I go in and train them. Yeah, having two horses with food anxiety issues, I definitely make it a point to feed them before training, because I don't want to have to be in a position where I have to punish them for my own safety. And obviously I want them to be successful and be getting their rewards for their behaviors that they're offering instead of me just constantly asking them to do something else. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's not fun for the horse and it's not fun for the human either when you know that they're really desperate for the food and they're only doing this because they know they have to. Like, I don't think that's really most people's goal that do positive reinforcement it definitely could be someone's goal and I'm sure it is some people's goal but I think overall for you know the people that are in our community who are trying to use positive reinforcement trying to be force free like the goal is to have a happy horse that's in a good mental state so there's just no reason to withhold food Um, and if you are giving the horse everything they physically and mentally need to be in a good place then you're not going to have a robot horse you're going to have a happy healthy horse So I don't really think that's something to worry about with positive reinforcement unless the horse isn't getting its needs met in some other area. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Another thing I thought of with this specific topic is also like cooperative care, making your training based on consent, because in that case, you're definitely not going to get a robot animal because they're going to tell you whether or not you can or cannot move forward in the training session. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, even just kind of continuing off of that, allowing the horse to walk away, which is something that a lot of people have, you know, talked about it being really important in the positive reinforcement world. Like if the horse is unhappy or frustrated or over threshold or whatever, for them to be able to walk away and ideally have another food source to go to as well, that's not you, you know that they're not going to be a robot because you know, why, why would they just be doing this as a robot for food if they have literally another food source over there that they could go to? Exactly. And that was one of my struggles in the beginning was just letting them say no and leave the session because with traditional training, we're taught that they have to work for us. At least that's what I've been taught and what I've heard pretty often, but we shouldn't be asking them to do something they don't want to do unless it's also going to benefit them. And beyond that, it can create other issues that are just completely unnecessary, like high amounts of frustration or stress that could potentially have them lashing out at you. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think traditional training, yeah, I think traditional training is much more likely to to lead to robots in the sense of, you know, horses that are in a state of learned helplessness where they're just kind of dealing with the situation by shutting down and not reacting to anything really I think that 
that is what you should worry about in terms of robots. That's really what I see that I'm like, okay, something's not right here. I have yet personally to see a positive reinforcement horse that I feel is a robot. And I'm sure maybe there's somebody who trains so poorly with positive reinforcement that their horse is a robot out there. (laughs) But I don't know. I just, I don't see it as an issue, but it is something that I see could come up from psychology, I guess. And I have heard people in the horse world talking about as well. So it definitely is an issue of some sort, but I don't really think it, it has too much importance or value with the type of training that we're doing. Yeah. The biggest concern I would have with withholding rewards or not reinforcing would actually be extinction bursts, which is kind of the opposite of a robot because they're going to be pushing more to try and get the reinforcement and trying harder, which is sometimes where that intermittent uh, reinforcement schedule comes in because it has a similar effect to like people with gambling addictions where they're going to keep playing slots because they won one time. So they're going to win again. They know it. But how many times do they lose before they win again? And that's kind of how that's supposed to work. Sometimes it doesn't because of frustration. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, in teaching stimulus control, I've definitely had a couple of unfortunate situations where they try to touch the cone. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't cue it. So I try to like redirect them. In general, I try to set it up to where they're not going to be touching the cone when I'm not cueing it. But, you know, sometimes it accidentally happens and I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. That can cause some frustration. Obviously not intentionally, but it does happen. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I, I really don't have too much more. That was like the basics that I wanted to go over about learning and motivation and whatnot did you have other topics that you want to discuss not anything in particular that I can think of but again I was really bad about note taking so (laughs) (laughs) that's okay I took some notes and yeah I'm just kind of going with it but we could do like a part two on some more terms that are possibly important to some people maybe (laughs) yeah that could be a good idea you enjoyed this episode of click treat repeat feel free to check us out on instagram at click treat repeat pod you can find jen at genuine equine and myself at bonafide.bt we upload new episodes every other monday and hope to see you then happy training